Aloha, everyone. My name is Christina Laney-Mitri, and welcome to Smart Living Hawaii's podcast, where we discuss smart homes and technology, sustainability, lifestyles, and healthy lifestyles, and smart business. And today, we're going to continue our Sustainable Leaders series, as usual, and we are going to be chatting with Jim Murphy. He is the CEO of Honolulu Habitat for Humanity here on Oahu. And we'll learn how Honolulu Habitat for Humanity works and serves the community with every house that they build. They work with the community, government agencies, and homeowners to build the homes while helping solve our affordable housing shortage, or should I say crisis for that matter. Let's find out how we can support their mission of seeking to put God's love into action to bring people together to build homes, community, and hope. Aloha, Jim. Aloha. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here and um, spending some time with me today. I did want to read his bio really quickly so we all can learn a little bit about Jim before we dive in to Honolulu Habitat. So originally from Chicago, Jim and his wife moved to Honolulu in 2013. He has been the CEO of Honolulu Habitat since 2014 and leading the organization through significant growth and alignment with the community. Jim's background in nonprofit management drew him to Hawaii as an opportunity to work with the diverse nonprofits and communities they serve. He holds an MBA from North Park University, specializing in nonprofit board development. He is a Weinberg Fellow and sits on the board of Kumu Kahua Theater and the Hawaii Alliance of Nonprofit Organizations, where he is the current chair there. Having doubled their housing production in recent years at Honolulu Habitat and the board has embarked on a five-year strategic committing um, plan to triple the number of families served, completing 40 houses and 25 critical home repairs. So that is an area of focus that we're going to jump into. But before we start, uh, let's dive into your background. What would you like to share with our listeners on Jim? <laughs> sure, sure. So I guess uh, my background was um, I never intended to do this. I, um, I didn't have, I'm, I'm not from Hawaii. I've lived here for about nine years now. Um, and I have worked in nonprofits for over 20 years, uh, but not housing. Um, I did healthcare. Um, I did finance. I did some community development. Um, in, in Chicago, but housing was never quite on the radar. Um, but when the opportunity, to, uh, I, had, I had lived here for about a year before the opportunity for Habitat came open and uh, I jumped at it. Um, and it, it was interesting now that I look back and if you look at my, my resume and my career, everything that I did, everything that I learned um, led to certain things that I was going to need in this role. So I very much feel like I am at the place that I'm supposed to be doing the work that I'm supposed to be doing with the people that I'm supposed to be with. So um, I would love to say this was all part of some grand design of my own. It was not. Awesome. And I feel the same way when it came when it comes to sustainability as being in real estate and moving into this sector, um, when you're called to it, it just seems to fall into your lap. Yeah. And I've been going down this rabbit hole ever since. <laughs> yeah. So um, thanks for sharing. Let's see, in regards to uh, the sustainable world, I always like to ask now, the area I would say of sustainability is affordable housing that you're in, which is one of the pillars of sustainability here in Hawaii and, and something that we're actively trying to tackle as a state and to provide that shelter and that home for people who do not have, have the luxury of having it themselves. So um, I, I know that you kind of stumbled into this, but how did you come about, like what was, um, what was your why to get into these nonprofits in the first place? I guess it was your calling to be in a nonprofit, but you know, what drew, to, drew, drew you to it in the beginning? Sure, um, it actually, it kind of started with a playground. Um, long time ago, I was working for a tax firm in Chicago and um, there was this thing, I don't even know if it's around anymore, it used to be called Chicago Cares. 
And basically they would go and pick people up um, working for corporate um, uh, companies. And then they would bring them out to the community and they would do a day of service at a particular you know, um, location. <clears throat> and so the group that I was with got sent to um, a, a woman's shelter, women's shelter uh, on the north side of Chicago. And we were doing repairs to the, you know, to the building and painting and things like that. But I was on a little team and we were tasked with um, um, building a, a playground, a play set uh, for the kids of women who were staying in the shelter. And so it was like me and like maybe three or four other guys, no construction background whatsoever. Um, and uh, we were putting together this, this playground set, which was probably a lot simpler than, than, um, than we made it. Um, and so, but the entire time that we were doing it, there were these two little girls that were sitting on the stairs um, watching us build this, this playground. And um, they were just waiting patiently and uh, just waiting for us to be done so that they could then go, you know, play on the place. <laughs> yeah. And so um, we spent the entire day, we ended up not doing it very well and we had to stay late and correct some of the mistakes we made. Um, but then at the end of it, we, we got to see these two little girls, you know, get on the swing and go up and down the slide. And it was so um, meaningful. And it was, I just remember walking away that day thinking, I want to spend my day doing stuff like that. Like, I mean, it's fine working for a tax firm and I'm certainly nothing against that. But man, if I could spend my day, you know, with some kind of feeling like I'm having right now walking away, um, that would be awesome. And so years later, when there was an opportunity to make a transition in a career, I started to look into nonprofits and got, got my toe wet. And then I drank the Kool-Aid and then I just kept coming back for more. Well, from playgrounds to houses, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, I always like to hear those stories because at the end of the day, it's, it's your passion. And um, when you're in this field or this type of work, uh, it's not a lot of money always. So, you know, it's gotta, there's gotta be some additional something there to keep you going every yeah. day, waking up and, you know, serving in some capacity. So thanks yeah. so much for that. Um, and then let's see, the next thing I wanted to jump into is, <clears throat> I wanted to start by explaining Honolulu Habitat for Humanity. Um, and Honolulu Habitat or is, you know, how it's originated, it came from, um, Habitat for Humanity, and just that whole everything about it, um, how it originated, I guess, across the country. Is it country or, or world? Uh, country, well, there are, we're, we're just in the United States in terms of offices, but we serve um, throughout the world in different places. Awesome. So yeah, maybe you can elaborate on that to start, and then we can kind of get, um, dive into a little bit more specific as to, to here in Honolulu. Sure, sure. Um, so Habitat for Humanity started in 1976 um, in America's Georgia um, and um, sort of started to grow and get bigger, very strong in the South. Um, a lot of it was for, um, for housing, for farm workers, housing for um, uh, a lot of the uh, employed um, um, uh, tenant housing that 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 needed to be uh that needed to exist so that um, the employers would have staff close by um our affiliate was started in 1988 uh, so we've been around for about 34 years now um, the interesting thing about habitat is there are about 1100 affiliates nationwide um, in fact there are five here in the state and um the the affiliates are really left to their own devices. So Habitat International um, lets us, we can't change the, the logo, we can't change the, you know, the mission statement and things like that. But if we wanna do certain events, if we wanna have certain programs, if we wanna have certain marketing, that is completely left to us. The nice thing about that is it really allows us to be very local. 
Um, it's so when we're putting together marketing material, it is for, you know, we're using pictures of local families, of local volunteers. We are in the middle of uh, middle of March right now, and we're actually, we're getting ready to close out March. And we've had a huge uh, Wahine build program that's been running through this entire month. We had a launch party at the end of February. We've had um, hundreds of um, women come out to the build site over the last several weeks. But our ability to do Wahine build which is obviously a word that means something here, but nowhere else. Um, Habitat allows us to do that, so it, it it's great in the in the sense that it really does um, allow us to make those connections in the community. While at the same time, knowing that you know there is international based out of Atlanta, Georgia, that if we need resources, if we need access to. Um, not money, but if we need access to information or training, or um, we can't apply through grant for grants through them, um, there are resources there, but that's completely up to us if we want to take advantage of it. Awesome. So I, from my understanding, it was more of like a started as a faith-based um, organization, could tell in the mission and all, but it's kind of evolved into how, how did it serve in the beginning? I remember you mentioning something and then it kind of like evolved to serving everyone. Or yeah, when it, when, when it was first started, um, they, uh, it, it, it is a faith-based organization and it remains that. Um, when it was started, it was a strictly faith-based uh, organization and uh, the recipients, the volunteers, the, uh, the families all had to uh, participate in a particular church down in that area, um, but it was very confining. Um, and so they broadened it uh, quite a bit and started to um, allow other houses of faith to participate. And then uh, they went through a pretty significant transformation uh, in, the, uh, in the 1990s and uh, early 2000s. I think it was around the time of, of Hurricane Katrina um, where they realized that they really needed to invite everybody into this mission. Um, so they adopted a, a non-proselytizing um, uh, commitment. So basically saying everyone is welcome, regardless of your faith or lack of faith. Um, but we want to get everyone involved with this mission as we can. As we, can. we are a Christian ministry, uh, and that is very important to us. And we have very solid relationships with um, the churches in our communities, and that's, that's extremely important. Um, but we, we welcome anyone who wants to come through um, our doors um, or help us build those doors. Um, and, um, uh, but the, and that that has opened things up significantly um, and has allowed us to go into communities um, where there are different faiths or where there are um, faith is not necessarily a, a focal point for them. Um, but that doesn't mean that that those communities aren't in need of housing or aren't in need of our programs. Yeah, I like that it's um, serving everyone. And yeah. I think at the end of the day, that is, the most important for anybody with faith or not that you know you feel included in it in it um because you know we are all just people and we all need a place yeah. to live yeah. and we all need support so yeah. awesome so moving in to specifically which is funny we we kind of we've known each other for a few years now and um have been in contact with um Honolulu Board of Realtors because we've been you know here and there haven't been making the hugest donations but we've been working really hard to um at times to uh raise some funds for you guys but uh our goal you know what I want from this podcast is to showcase you on um outside of real estate but more for affordable housing right and um I wanted to share or I wanted you to share your strategic plan, your five-year strategic plan with um, the audience and the things that you, your ambitions and the things that you want to accomplish in along with, you know, what you guys do. So before we dive into the plan, um, mm -hmm. let's just explain to everybody now that we have a good idea of 
the Habitat for Humanity. What exactly do you guys provide like your services um, mm -hmm. besides when we just think of building homes, right? I mean, what, yeah. how does it work? How, do, how does it happen? Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Um, so one of the things that, that I, I want to make sure um, everybody understands is affordable housing is a great big topic. Um, and when people here in Hawaii or anywhere talk about affordable housing, that's everything from addressing the needs of the homeless population to um, transient housing, to affordable rental, to public housing, teacher housing, um, uh, and, and it, us on the opposite end of that spectrum, which is affordable home ownership. And our model is exclusively for um, affordable home ownership. So our strategic plan is really designed to promote the message that our communities are stronger when they have more homeowners in them versus renters. Nothing wrong with you know, affordable renters at all. Um, it's, it's just that um, communities can be stronger when they have more homeowners. Homeowners are more uh, inclined to participate in their communities, go to church in their communities, shop in their communities, volunteer in their communities, send their kids to school in those communities. They get very connected to the communities that they're that they that they own a home in because they've been a stakeholder. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's really important for us to uh, let everyone know that we're specifically about and we're all tied together. Um, you know, I mean, there's the, the last three homes that we've built, two of those um, recipients have been people that have moved out of public housing and into um, one of our homes. So we're creating space uh, in those other areas. Yeah, and it's all, it's definitely all working together and everybody has to, you know, even from homes that are being provided on the reserved housing side for let's say Howard Hughes, and they've got, you know, homes for sale there that are more affordable than mm -hmm. the going market. There's a place for that as well, right? And then oh, sure. it goes down to all of these other areas um, where people are contributing in their own, in own way. So yes, this specific area is on home ownership and it's giving that opportunity to families that would probably never have this opportunity without this help. So right. that's, that's why um, it's so important. And I would love to see you be able to provide this to hundreds of families every year. You know, that would be amazing. So yeah. um, how does it work? So the families, the families that come to us, so the biggest issue is land um, because land is something that um, is, is very expensive here. You don't have to tell you or your audience that. Um, land is very expensive here. I can't go and buy, I can't go out and buy a parcel of land and build a single family home on that land that our families can't afford. Um, first of all, I can't afford to go out and buy a parcel of land. Um, so um, it just, it, the cost of that land, the cost of the construction of their house, it would be too high for our families to afford. Our families are typically between 30 and 80% below AMI um, with good, good um, uh, credit um, and the ability to repay uh, a zero interest loan. So they do have a mortgage with Habitat that we manage, that we service, um, but it's zero interest. So um, it essentially, it's that Alice population, that asset limited income constrained employed um, <laughs> folks who um, are working hard, who have been, you know, they're, they're paying their bills, they're struggling, um, they're, they're contributing it in the way that they can, um, but they can't go, they can't walk into a bank and get a loan. Um, they, they don't have the ability to access um, you know, access the opportunities that other people do. So that's the group that we're working with. Sometimes they come to us with land. So sometimes they are a land lease recipient from the Department of Hawaiian Homelands and they, um, 
they come to us and say, I've been awarded this parcel in Waimanalo and um, I'd like to build a house with your program. So they come to us with that land. Sometimes they're existing land lease holders through some older homesteads. Papakalea uh, is one where there's a number of families who have, um, you know, uh, you know, houses up there and land up there that could potentially be demoed and a new one built. We're doing one right now. Um, so a lot of times we don't find the family, the family finds us because there's that land opportunity. Um, we are working with the city and the state uh, to um, identify vacant and dilapidated parcels of land um, that are um, in a position where the city or state could lease the land to us. We would then go out and find a family that qualifies, um, build the house um, with the family. Um, and then once the, uh, once the house is complete, we would hold the mortgage, um, their uh, land lease rental cost would be covered through their escrow. Uh, we manage all of that. Um, and then once they've paid off their mortgage, then the state would then um, lease the land to the family. So that's an opportunity for folks who don't have land um, that they're tied to already. Uh, and that's gonna change things significantly for us. So is that happening now and it's working successfully or is it in the works for that it's, type it's, of program it's just now it's just now happening we're about to we're about to build our first house uh on state um i say provided land it's not really provided i mean they've made the 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 uh the parcel available to us um that we'll be leasing but we're about to do our first one uh in this coming year. Um, and then we've identified, I want to say, eight additional parcels through the city and state to develop. So when it comes to these leases, uh, how long are the leases they have with you on this type of land? Well, and then the is that transferable or do they start a brand new lease once, I guess it would take 30 years for them to finish yeah. that mortgage. And then after that, I mean, how how much are we talking about when when the family uh, and we're we're still working out some of the 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 specifics about these things, but the the land lease that we would have with the city or state would be the the length of the mortgage, um, and then but within that agreement there would be that once that mortgage is um, completed, then the state would issue uh, a lease for the land to the family um, that would probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 years. Uh, so we're talking 80 years. Um, DHHL has 99 year leases with theirs, with their um, uh, land lease recipients. And um, how much do they actually pay per year for the lease? Um, well, they'll pay real estate taxes um, and it'll be a nominal fee for the, for the land. Okay, so, so not, it's not like a big surprise after they no. finish their mortgage that they're going to have no. this like huge, huge extra payment they're not aware of. <laughs> no, the the, the city <laughs> and the state are are both committed to keeping these uh, properties uh, in the affordable range. They're mm -hmm. interested in um, you know getting families into houses, um, and in many cases um, there are dilapidated houses sitting on those parcels of land now that are either an eyesore, a danger to the community, um, or, you know, I mean, any number of bad things can happen in a little well, squatters and just, yeah, yeah. things like Rodents that. For sure. Yeah. Well, that's really, um, I would love to hear more about that and how things progress. I could see this model being like, let's say there was someone with land or they're wanting to donate to some capacity, something similar to this, or certain parcels or purchase land for this type of program? Is it something that a, I guess, an individual could do or an entity could do and work with you on? I mean, I guess it could be a very similar, um, you know, where the land itself 
remains with you and then it becomes like that lease in that sense um yeah. where it is affordable yeah but, i mean if somebody if somebody had a parcel of land that they wanted to donate to us, they would obviously there's a tax benefit to making that donation as a 501c3 they would they would be able to claim um, uh, something on their taxes that's between them and their um, uh, uh, tax preparer. Um, but then, you know, for us, we would then have a parcel of land that we could develop um, and we can take the value of that land and put that into the family's mortgage um, so that they're essentially developing equity almost immediately. And then once it's once it's been um, they've completed the mortgage, then the, the, the land gets signed over to the family. Okay, so in those, so there are cases or there could be cases where someone does donate a parcel of land. So it's technically free and clear. And does that actually get handed over to that party or does it stay kind of in a lease situation? Um, it would stay in the after, lease. After the, the mortgage is due. After the mortgage, it would go, it would go to the party, it would go to the family. Oh. Um, I would keep it as a lease while we are working through the mortgage only because um, I need to be able to make sure that um, while we've, sure. never, we've never had an, it, well, we've had families fall behind on payments, but we've never, it's never been so chronic that we've had to foreclose, but I need to protect us in the case that- For that sure, for sure. Happen. That makes definite sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's very helpful to understand um, the different options that you guys are, um, dealing with and how you're able to provide this service to uh, the different parts of the communities. But um, I did see also that you said some some work on, is it home, home repairs, like critical home repairs. So yeah. how does that one, how does that work? So it's, you know, a lot of times people come, well, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of times people come to us too late. They come to us and say, I want this done to my house or this done to my house. And we take a look at it and we 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 determine that it's not really cost effective to make these repairs to your house because your house is so far gone that it needs it. Frankly, it's, it's more cost effective and we can find the funding for the construction of a new home. So um, but. Um, there are plenty of kapuna that are out there, people that needs just a few things done to their homes, whether it is a, um, uh, you know, uh, a wheelchair ramp or grab bars or um, things, uh, widening doorways. Oh, like aging um, in place type yeah, of Yeah, like services. aging in place kind of stuff um, or just repairs, you know, maybe repairs to um, windows and doorways, if there's leaking, uh, maybe a little bit, a little bit of electrical or plumbing, things that we can do that are less than like $10,000. Um, but, you know, the, what they can do um, in, you know, an improvement like that for some people's homes means the world. Um, so we can oftentimes do that at, at cost. We have grants that cover um, some of those expenses. Um, so the families pay back a nominal fee, but not much. Um, but, you know, for Kapuna, you know, it, it's getting grab bars in there, which is incredibly important or wheelchair ramps. Um, and even for folks who aren't in wheelchairs, but know that they will be, you know, someday. Um, so those, that's the kind of program that we've, we've had it for a while. It's been difficult to roll out largely because we've had folks that have come to us but their problems, the problems that they have in their houses are beyond what we can do with this little, you know, a few repairs here and there. Yeah. Okay. So it is something they can actually just what give you a call and yeah. find out if it's something that fits the fits the bill and maybe they can um, see if they can work with you. Well, that's good to know. I mean, yeah. you can refer people for sure yeah, um, in that capacity and see if it, it fits. Um, that's that's awesome. I didn't know that about that. Yeah, and um, sometimes sometimes it's as little as like 
somebody needing to have, you know, the trees trimmed in their yard to keep, you know, keep things from falling on the roof or, you know, repairing the, the lanai railings and things like that. So it's, it's small stuff that people either don't have, may not have the money to do or know somebody that can, you know, help them out with that, but it's important stuff and it helps, you know, um, it just helps the, uh, the safety, the, the, um, uh, uh, and, you know, there's just their enjoyment of living in their home. Awesome. Uh, let's see. I have here your, I, there were a couple things that I, I, I don't know if it's like on the news or whatnot, but I did hear two things. One, since we're on the topic of, we were talking about Hawaiian homelands and um, them working with you or contracting out with you. Uh, what, I was wanting to see a little bit more. I heard that the um, $600 million de uh, Department of Hawaiian Homelands bill is still in the works. Is that right? And it's moving. That is my understanding, yeah. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, um, $600 million is a lot of money that could be used towards um, affordable housing in this case. Um, and could you? If you if you can uh, tap into or like share with everybody here what what that looks like what they're planning on doing if they do obtain that six hundred million sure sure yeah. um, well I'd love to say that I was involved in the conversations about what they're planning on doing I'm not but I will say my understanding of it is um, there are seventeen um, areas um, that are that DHHL wants to develop. Um, and that could be like a subdivision in a particular community or a street or something like that. Um, and that can be, that's statewide. So there could be some on Kauai, uh, Big Island, Maui, um, and here. Um, my understanding is the, 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 the $600 million is um, specifically targeted for the infrastructure costs so for example, we're currently building in Waimanalo and we've built four homes in this little subdivision um, and are gonna build seven more um, before, before we're done there. But there's 25, 30 homes in this subdivision. Um, my understanding is DHHL will be using the $600 million to do the infrastructure so that they'll build the roadways, they'll build the sewer lines, they'll get all of that in place. And then when they identify the parcels of land and hand it over to the family, then families can come to people like us and we've just got to build a house. There's a sewer line to tie into and that kind of cost doesn't get um, doesn't get burdened on the family. That's what I think the $600 million is for. Okay, and um, that will be, hopefully, it looks like it's moving along from my understanding. Um, and so and if, we'll I'm, see. if I'm wrong about that, then you've now recorded me and everyone will know that I don't want to talk about it. Well, hopefully uh, that will, you know, bring you more um, homes to build for people yeah. because I know there's there are a lot of people on that wait list. I think it was what over twenty eight thousand yeah. um, parties wanting to um, to have a have a piece of land to build on. So yeah. um, this will definitely help in in that capacity and um, and help a lot of families as well. So um, in regards to the other big multi-million dollar number that I heard recently was um, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife donating mm -hmm. over $435 million to Habitat for Humanity. Um, what's the scoops on that one? I feel like I'm a, one of those gossip so, um, <laughs> um, so we were we were not one of the affiliates. So they Ooh. gave that, they gave that um, Mackenzie Scott, and you know, she's been doing this for a, a couple of years now, um, giving to, um, there was one uh, to Planned Parenthood that came out um, after the announcement for Habitat for Humanity. Uh, I know she's given money to Goodwill and other places like that. Um, so 
the Habitat International was contacted uh, by Mackenzie Scott's foundation back in the fall of last year. And they wanted to give this, this gift to the habitats um, that they chose. So they did an analysis that we were not privy to um, and said, we wanna give these gifts to these affiliates. As I mentioned earlier, there's 1,100 uh, mm -hmm. affiliates nationwide. And I wanna say there were 65 affiliates that got a gift from Mackenzie Scott. There are two here in Hawaii, um, Maui, got uh, a grant from them and Kauai, oh, really? yeah, and Kauai got a grant from them. Oh, so, wow. um, and both of those organizations are in, they're both incredible. Um, the women that run them are incredible. They're doing fantastic work and well, well deserving of these funds. Um, why they chose those affiliates and not others, Habitat International um, was not, was not told why. Um, Habitat International also got uh, a grant as well. I think it was $25 million that they received. Um, and they're going to do some um, advocacy work with that and a few other things. Um, but it, you know, it is not a reflection on, on any of the other affiliates and, and the work that they're doing in a negative way. Um, this was just very donor. It was a donor decision to choose those affiliates uh, for whatever reason they did. But what it allows us to do is go out to everyone and say, you know, hey, we didn't get this fund, but it is a, it is a positive reflection on, um, on Habitat because what Mackenzie Scott has normally done is she has funded like, oh, I'm going to do this goodwill here. I'm going to do this um, you know, this nonprofit that works with the environment. I'm going to do this nonprofit that works with, you know, dogs or veterans or, you know, things like that. This is really the first time that she has selected uh, a major nonprofit and said, I want to, I want to disperse some funds nationally to a number mm -hmm. of nonprofits. So it helps us from a branding perspective to just say, you know, while we didn't get the money, um, we, we did get recognition that, you know, uh, Mackenzie Scott uh, and her foundation believe in this mission overall. Yeah, uh, for sure. So. Well, that's, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know the details and I didn't know if it all went to one, I'm like, or, I, or whatnot. So I was just like, oh, I heard something about that and I don't know where, I think somebody just mentioned it to me when I said I was going to be doing a podcast with you. Yeah. So I was like, oh, well, I need to find out more about that. Well, I'm glad that Hawaii has seen some of that money go to a good cause. Um, that's awesome. And we will work our butts off to get you some money too. So you can make more homes, right? And that's, yeah. that's the goal. <laughs> um, in regards to, let's see, where else was I jumping all over the place here? How about um, some more on your, your strategic plan? The things that you're looking at doing in the next five years, um, maybe even some hurdles that you would like to um, leap over or um, things of that sort that you'd like to share. Sure. sure. So, um, you know, one of the things, a um, couple of things that we have in our strategic plan. Um, one is I, I, I'm, I'm developing a revolving construction fund. Um, because the challenge that we have right now is we have all of this construction cost. Um, so we're built, we're currently building four houses. So, you know, we're buying material. We've got a plumber coming out. We've got, you know, a roofer coming out. Somebody's pouring some concrete. Those are all local vendors. <coughs> and we are, um, you know, we're, we're, we're cutting checks and we're, you know, we're paying bills just like everybody else. Um, that's all coming out of our bank account. Um, but the house itself is going to be, um, the funding is coming back to us from maybe USDA. Uh, we're doing our first uh, VA bill or VA loan to build a house or, you know, DHHL and Nahasda has funds that they, that they, is, they will, they'll pay for the house eventually, but there's a delay. Mm -hmm. There's a delay in when I'm cutting checks and when I get reimbursed from these entities um, because they are predominantly government entities and it takes time to get money back from the government. And I get that. Um, we have good relationships. Even, 
even when you're doing loans um, for the homeowners, right? I mean, you're not going to see that money for 30 years. Right, right. So um, we, we're developing this revolving construction fund because for one thing, um, we're using our own funds to, uh, to fund the construction. We want to be building more. Um, and we used to only be able to afford to build one house at a time. Now we've ramped things up. We've got a little bit more reserves, but it's still eating into our, eating into our costs. So I want to build up um, a $2 million reserve over the course of our uh, strategic plan five year. Uh, my first year goal is to get to $500,000. And that pool will be exclusively for building houses, cutting checks, getting reimbursed from the third party financer, um, and then moving on and paying for the next house. We feel like with $500,000 in this revolving construction fund, we can comfortably build eight houses a year. Um, so that's one of the biggest initiatives that's coming out of our strategic plan. The other one is we do, we are considering a capital campaign um, and we're doing this for a couple of reasons. One, um, we currently rent um, our office and restore um, and it's expensive and it's tough to find um, industrial um, industrial um, space here for us to have our store and our office. Before, um, I just, can you explain Restore after you're done? Sure, sure I will, absolutely. Too, um, and so, you know, we're looking for, we're looking for the, you know, potentially the state or um, the, uh, the city to lease land to us that we can then build our own structure on um, and then operate there at, at a much less rate. Uh, or much, um, you know, much. Because rent just rent's keeps great. going up. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going up. Um, so we want to have a capital. But the other thing that we want to do with our capital campaign that we've realized is, um, you know, I mentioned families have um, that may be living in a house that needs to be demoed and a new one built. Um, those families have to go somewhere during construction. Um, so oftentimes they're renting or they're staying with other family members. Um, or the families are splitting up. We just finished a house. The, the gentleman's on the cover of our strategic plan. Um, he and his two daughters had to go live in two different places for about eight months while we were building their house. So one of the things that we want to do with our strategic plan and our capital campaign is find a parcel of land that somebody is willing to lease to us. Let us build a house there that's ours. Uh, and then when we've got a family that needs to live there for eight months while we're building their house, they can live there, a nominal fee for rent, um, and then we can move them into their new home. And so now you're not splitting up families, you're not adding to their cost burden, um, or you're not creating an overcrowded situation. Mm. So this is just a few of the highlights. To mention uh, Restore. So our Restore, we're located in Kalihi. And uh, people donate building material, furniture, appliances, housewares um, to the store. We sell to the general public and all of that helps fund our mission. Um, last year, we did about $500,000 in revenue, which is great, um, but our rent is high. Um, so we are trying to double the amount of our revenue um, in Restore over the next five years because all of that goes directly towards building a house. We tell people all the time, if you, if you come into our store and buy a coffee mug, that, you know, 10 cents that you just bought a coffee mug helps us build a house. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah. So and how think, do people donate? Through, do they have to bring it to you or do you have, do you pick um, up? No, we do pick up. We do pick up twice a week right now. We've got our own box truck. Um, and, uh, you know, we ask if people can drop things off. Um, you know, if somebody's donating a lamp, we'd rather them just, you know, come down to the store and, and drop it off rather than us drive to pick it up. Plus, we have found that most of the people who come and drop off uh, donations at our store stay in shop. So, um, but yeah, we, well, do, that's we, good. yeah <laughs> we do pickups twice a week uh, and we're, we're pretty... Um, we're pretty full uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting, you know, we, we fill that truck up uh, the two times we do it. And we could probably, if we had the staff, we could probably pick up maybe three or four times a week because there's just, there's a pretty high demand um, from folks, um, 
you know, a lot of times it's people buying a new couch and so they want to get rid of the old couch. Sometimes it's people who have, um, uh, people who have, are potentially moving off the island. Mm -hmm. um, stagers, as I'm sure you're familiar with, you know, folks who have furniture that they're staging, condos that they're selling, and maybe they're transitioning some of that stuff out. We get, we get furniture donated from them as well. Awesome. And so all of those end up, um, what I like is that it's not just thrown away and going right. to the dump and then, you know, it's being reused to some capacity. And then hopefully, you know, we, with the trash and our waste man management, it helps. So it all does help um, trickle down, which is awesome because it's not just affordable housing that you guys are assisting in. You guys are definitely assisting with uh, waste management too. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, we, uh, estimate, we estimate through our store that we keep anywhere from 25 to 40 tons um, out of the landfill, just because if if the couch wasn't coming to us, um, there's a good chance that it would it would get um, put on the corner and then and then yeah. it would end up in the landfill. So. And nowadays you can't just leave it on the corner. You have to call right. them to come and get it. And then yeah, it either well, a lot of these things, they can't even put in this incinerators. So yeah, it does go to landfill. So awesome. And let's see, we have a little bit more time here. Um, I'm going through my notes because I was all over the place today. Um, I think I just want to make sure we covered everything. What if, what has been some of the challenges that you guys are facing? I know that you did mention um, the budget for construction. Um, well, what are areas that, you know, that like has, how has COVID been during this for you guys? And how has it been with volunteers? Um, things like that. Cause I guess we didn't really mention this although it's kind of an unsaid thing that most people know is that, you know volunteers can come mm -hmm. and volunteer to build the homes, right? Alongside the homeowners they're building. Um, yeah. Could you maybe jump into that space too with COVID and volunteers and, and some hurdles you might face? Yeah, so I think, you know, during COVID, when, when COVID happened two years ago, um, we had two houses under construction. And so we couldn't stop. We, 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 we couldn't. We had, we had Naked Wood up um, in, um, in Waimanalo. And we, you can't leave a framed house just sitting there because it'll rain, it'll, yeah. the sun will get, the wood will warp and you'll waste your money. So we had to keep building. We were, you know, we're an affordable housing, housing um, uh, construction. So we were allowed to um, continue to build through the, the mayor's proclamation. Um, and, but we couldn't do it with volunteers. So we had to rely on um, contractors to come out, some of our staff. Um, maybe some sort of key volunteers, but we couldn't have more than, you know, six to eight people there at one time, especially a couple of years ago. Um, so it challenged us, but it actually kind of taught us that there were different ways of building um, and more efficient ways of building. Um, there are some really good things for volunteers to do at a build site. And there are some really bad things for volunteers to do at the build site. So volunteers love to cut wood and hammer wood and put up walls and install windows and paint and you know put on siding and stuff like that. All very, very volunteer friendly stuff to do. Um, plumbing and electrical, we use subcontractors for that. Um, roofing, I don't like volunteers being on the roof. So um, we learned that there's, what we did was we sort of cut our um, construction program into four different sections. One was having the volunteer, you know, having the foundation laid um, through a contractor and getting, you know, getting ready for construction. And then when it's time to start, you know, putting together walls, that's when the volunteers come in and then um, they move through that initial phase and then, contractors will come back and do 
more of the work, and then the finished work is all done by the volunteers. So we kind of split it into four different ways. And that way, you know, we can be doing volunteers at one house, contractors at another, volunteers at another. Yeah, um, shifts, okay. Yeah. And so it's allowed us to build faster. Um, it's allowed us to um, maintain the costs. Um, and it's, you know, no sacrifice to the, the quality of work. But you also have volunteers coming out and doing fun things as yeah. opposed to digging a foundation. Um, and so um, it's a more enjoyable um, volunteer experience. And, you know, Hawaii is an incredible place, uh, an incredibly giving place. And so we, we've been overwhelmed with the number of volunteers who want to come out and build with us. So our biggest challenge has been just trying to find enough opportunities for them to come out and build. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, we used to have volunteers of like 30 people a day and and because we had staff to manage that and we had, you know, um, some other infrastructure in place. Right now we don't. So right now we, we, we limit it to 10 because we feel like 10 is the number of people that we can keep safe um, on a build site. We've got one um, construction manager who's out there and an AmeriCorps. Um, and so per house, we think 10 people is about what we can do for now. Um, and now that, you know, they've lifted some of the COVID restrictions, we'll probably extend that um, going forward. But, you know, we're building a house now in four months, four or five months. Um, so it's, it hasn't slowed us down at all. And how has this been with um, construction, construction material costs and everything? Yeah, that's, you know, where I'm standing in the same line at Hardware Hawaii as everybody else. So it's, you know, we're delayed um, in getting flooring. We're delayed in getting, um, <clears throat> you know, I was having a conversation today with our construction manager who is telling me that um, there's a shortage of wire from HECO. Um, and so uh, just getting wire to like, you know, put the electrical in a house has slowed down just because um, it's just the difficult. Supplies not there. Yeah. yeah, the supplies aren't there. You know, we have a um, we have a great relationship nationally with Whirlpool. Um, they donate every um, washer, dryer, refrigerator, microwave, and oven um, that goes into every ha habitat house. But they're on an eight month delay too. So oh, wow. we're busy building a house, and suddenly we're like the house is going to be done before the, you know, appliances actually get here. So we're trying to find a local solution of somebody who may want to um, donate, um, you know, new appliances for these, for these houses. Um, so it's, it's, it's challenging. Um, and especially since we, as part of our strategic plan have committed ourselves to reducing our construction costs. So, um, um, but we can do that through, you know, gift and kind. We can do that through, you know, the fact that we are a 501c3. And while we do purchase, you know, materials from local vendors, they do give us a bit of a discount. That's awesome. Well, let's see. I think there was a couple. How does somebody volunteer? Is it a group or individuals or what do they do yeah. if they want to come and build a house with you? Um, everything, I mean, I would direct every, everyone to our website, HonoluluHabitat.org. Um, there's a place that you can go there that specifically allows you to sign up for uh, an open build day once. And we don't, we don't open them up too far in advance just because we don't know. You know, mm -hmm. we know we're building four houses right now. We're also waiting on permits for four more. Mm -hmm. So we don't know when those are going to start exactly. Um, but if somebody wants to volunteer, go to our website and see if there's an open slot, sign up for it, sign the waiver, you come out and build. You do not have to have experience or knowledge or anything like that. You're more than welcome. If there is a business that um, that is interested in having like a build day or even a sponsor day to come to one of our uh, events. Uh, that information is also on the website or they can give us a call uh, and talk to our director of philanthropy or myself. I'm going to uh, see if our church wants to, because yeah. um, I know our church is it's inspired church. They, they um, they're firm believers in having um, 
people have ownership of their of their home and their land. So yeah. I think something like this, they might actually be very interested in um, and, and how they can have a different way to serve the community. Yeah. So, yeah, that's well, and churches, you know, churches are a, a great way too for us to there's lots of different ways to get involved. You don't have to come out and build a house. Um, churches have always been very good about providing lunches for um, for um, the, the build days when we're out there. Um, churches are also, I'm, we are more than willing to go to churches if they've got mission moments as part of their um, part of their program, just being able to talk to everyone and let them know about our mission and what we do, see if there's could be somebody in the audience who um, you know wants to volunteer, somebody who wants to make a donation or somebody who knows, you know, has an auntie that needs a wheelchair ramp. Um, so it's, you know, churches are a great, um, um, avenue for us to be able to talk to the community, uh, in ways, um, that we can't through other, other means. Awesome. Yeah, I know we do a lot of outreach in all different areas. So it's definitely a space because a lot of things we do do is, um, sometimes it's, you know, providing food, uh, that's a huge one, but, um, not too often, for churches is it going to be providing shelter and a home um yeah, with yeah. catholic charities hawaii um on that board yeah they do have the transitional housing they have the opportunities to provide those types of um, housing for people in need um but yeah with churches it's a little bit harder so this yeah, might be yeah. a great good connection yeah. i'll see i'll see where that goes <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but other than that i think I think we covered a lot. Um, one thing that I did want to mention, and this is kind of in my heart and my space for affordable housing, is more and more I'm start starting to think about the local market and how we're getting priced out here in Hawaii. Um, not just people who can't afford to live or buy a house, but just pe regular people who are getting priced out of the market that could have bought, you know, a single family home, you know, a couple of years ago. And now it's just completely past their means. Um, and finding solutions to um, this. And I think when I start thinking about how can we do this and how can we do this affordably, um, it's, it's, it's all about community. And it's about, you know, you guys are building homes um, to support communities, right? Because like you said, the more um, homeowners there are in that community, the, the stakeholders, you know, will stand up and, and, and support that community. And I'm thinking that we need to be building communities and we need to start developing whole communities. And maybe it's like Hawaiian homelands when they get this and they're working on a complete huge project and they're going to do infrastructure for a whole community of, let's say, 30 units, then that whole community has more than just okay everybody make just go build whatever you want like yeah. maybe there's some structure there as to how that that community can evolve and work together i yeah. think that we've moved so far away from community-based anything and now we are in condos for per se you know and and don't even talk to our neighbors and know who lives next door and um there is no you know, people are, there's so much that is happening because of that, that we need to bring everybody back to community. So, you know, if there's a way, uh, or even if there's an entity or a company or, you know, someone that's willing to say, hey, we'd like to start something like this, would you guys be able to be able to actually like build a whole community? Like, you know, build all the homes, right? I mean, that's a possibility, right? I think something like that would be amazing to see um, because then you're building more than just a home in all these different locations. It's like the whole community can evolve into one together. I think yeah. Yeah. that would be nice. No, I think, I think if, if, you know, if land were available and there was a development like that, that's something that absolutely we could do. Um, it's, you know, one of the nice things about our um, mission is that the families are out there building with us. Um, and they have to do some preliminary sweat equity 
before we start on their construction project. And a lot of times they're out building on houses for families who are in, in line before them. So they're getting to know the program, they're getting to know other family members. Um, when we're in um, Waimanalo building a house, um, we really work hard to try and get members of the Waimanalo community to come out and build with us because those are gonna be your neighbors. Um, you know, this, the, you, we want you to get to know each other. Um, we want them to get to know you. Um, and so we, we find as we move along that everyone's out trying to help build everyone's house. If we could build an entire subdivision and have all of those families building together um, would be would be incredible. We're only we're only limited by our own lack of creativity. Um, so anything really is possible. Uh, the starting point for that is obviously just trying to try and find the land to do something like that. We but just need Miss um, Scott to come on over to our island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much. Um, this has definitely opened the eyes for a lot of people here who are unfamiliar with Honolulu Habitat for Humanity. And I'm, I'm really um, blessed to have met you. And I'm really, I'm really excited to see where everything is going to head in the next five years. And um, kudos to you for, for your mission and for sticking to it. And um, thanks. Thanks for being here. Great. Thank you very there, much. I appreciate would it. you like to share how people could reach you either on Facebook, Instagram, website? Sure. Um, I, I would always send everyone to our um, our website. It's honoluluhabitat.org. That's got all of our information. You can follow us on Facebook at Honolulu Habitat. Um, it's um, yeah, but every every piece of information that you'll ever need to know about this organization is uh, one of the things that we did during COVID was we completely redid our website. So it's a wealth of information from volunteering to applying for our programs to reading our strategic plan. To, we've got a, we've, oh, I can't even believe I forgot to mention this. So we've got a, an event on April 30th, the Hard Hats and High Heels, which is a fundraiser. There's information about that as well. Awesome. Well, I think that wraps up another podcast that we have today. Thank you, Jim. And also for our listeners, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at www.smartlivinghi.org. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook as well. Um, until next time, live smart. Thank you. Bye.